0: You know, lately uh, in the Northwest, and perhaps for uh, some of you who've heard this, I've been doing a series called Journey to Jerusalem. And you have these people following Jesus literally to his death. You have the apostles. You have other disciples. You have the crowds. You have the religious leaders. They're all following Jesus as he makes his way to Jerusalem. There's many faces, many personalities. All with their hopes, their dreams, their joys, and their sorrows. Much like a crowd here today. In Luke chapter 9, verse 18, it says, Now it happened that he was praying alone. The disciples were with him. And he asked them, Who do the crowd say I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others said, Elijah and others, one of the prophets of old is risen. But then he said to them, Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, The Christ, the Son of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed and on the third day raised. You know, here we have Peter starting to see the big picture. He started getting it. But what happens here, and we see it in Matthew 16, is that Peter then starts rebuking Jesus. And you ask yourself, well, why? Why did he start rebuking Jesus? Well, I think Peter heard the word suffering, he heard the word rejecting, and then he heard the word killed. You know, I don't know about you, But suffer, rejected, and killed aren't three words I like to see with my name in the same sentence. And Peter started getting it. Well, if that happens to you, that means it's going to happen to me. You know, disciples, I believe one of our challenges, you know, we can just like the 12 get so focused on death. Death never comes easy. It's always a surprise, even if you're ill. But today, Easter, we focus on the resurrection and the different faces who were there that saw it. Let's read Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. And now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. For And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran and told the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. But Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. He is risen. He's risen. You know, probably the most impactful statement, the most impactful three words you can say. Now, I debated that this morning. He is risen versus I love you. He is risen versus another three-word sentence, I love you. Now, if I say I love you, intellectually, you can sit there and say, well, in that special. <laughs> that's nice. He loves me. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything other than intellectually you believe that maybe perhaps I love you. But if we believe he is risen. If we understand He is risen. The implications are limitless. Limitless. Someone from the dead rose from the grave. Someone who was dead for three days rose from the grave. Who else? Now we know in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, God allowed other people to raise from the dead. But okay, since then, Jesus, who do you know that's been raised from the dead? The older you get, the more people you know that die. How many have been raised from the dead? So Jesus is risen from the dead. Implications. What I say, what I think, how I act, who do I love, how do I sacrifice, how do I live my life? Everything, everything in my heart, in my mind, in my mouth, every thought, the implications. Because if he is risen... That means what he said was true, and his whole life was true, and everything he said is going to happen is going to happen, and someday I, someday you, someday we will stand to give an account, and what did the women do? They went away in fear and great joy. How can I? What? Other three words, fear and great and great joy, four words. How many four words, fear and great joy? I, that's my life as a Christ, in Christ. Fear, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Oh, the expectations, the calling, the, the raising from the dead and all the, oh my gosh, but great joy, oh my gosh. This is incredible, this is, this is awesome. I'm so happy there's hope after death, fear, and great joy. So we're going to look at three people, three faces that were in the crowd. And perhaps those same faces are here today with us. Remember, Jason Lugo shared about this, and I, just, I loved it, so I want to share a little bit about it. But the first person, I believe, is Mary Magdalene. It's the person who needs to see themselves as Jesus sees them. The person, the face of the person who needs to understand who they are the way Jesus looks at them. The women, Mary Magdalene, the first to see, the first to believe, the first to testify. What a privilege. Jesus appeared to Mary, Mary mother of James, Mary Magdalene, Mary Mother of James, and a number of other women. And you ask yourself, why? Why did Jesus appear to the women? Not the twelve. Not the religious leaders. Not the crowds. Well, if you understand the times, if you like to do a little research, research and understand, you've got to understand, at that time, that testimony of women held no legal value. They were marginalized, victimized, and outcasts. Not only was their testimony skeptical, but because of this group of women, most of them had poor reputations. Mary Mary Magdalene had, what, seven demons cast out of her? How many women did Jesus touch, heal, love, that were living lives only in such a way that they can support themselves because they had no other ways to live? Even the leaven did not believe them. Luke chapter 24, it says, their words seemed foolish. So you have these people marginalized, victimized, outcast, but Jesus looked at them as loved, believed in, honored, by Jesus. You know, I wonder how they felt knowing that Jesus felt that way about them. Encouraged, empowered, engaged. They must have walked 10 feet tall knowing that Jesus looked at them special. You know, I think many of us here today, many of us in this crowd today in the same way need to remember how Jesus views us. What does Peter say? This is a royal priesthood. This is a holy nation. This is a people chosen by God. Man, when I was a kid, when I was in elementary, you know, there was, there was one, there was, we used to go play kickball during recess, and I tell you what, when we go get, play kickball, you know, you get the two best athletes, and then they would choose everybody else. You really wanted to be in the top 75%. If you were in the top 75%, then at least you felt reasonably good about yourself, so when, you, when recess was done, you could go back in and hold your head up high. But pity the fools that weren't in that top 75%. And you get to a point where there's one or two left, and you're like, I'll take them. Seriously, you know what I'm talking about. And I'd love to sit here and say, I was always number one, you know, but I wasn't. And I know how at times I felt. Loved, believed in, honored. How does it make you feel? Does it make you walk a little bit straighter? Does it make you walk with your head up high? Are you walking maybe a little bit like 10 foot tall? Because you know that Jesus looks at you in a certain way. John chapter 20. Quinn was not with him when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I place my hands in the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark, or, and, yeah, okay, I see, all right, let's try this one more time, amen. Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger in the marks of the nail, And place my hand into his side. I will never believe. Eight days later. His disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them. And said peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas. Put your finger here. And see my hands. And put out your hand. And place it in my side. Do not disbelieve. But believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, you have believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So what's the second face? The second face is the person who desperately wants to believe or desperately needs to believe again. But have real moments of doubt. You know, doubt's a very real thing. And that's okay. You're going to doubt. Sometimes we get so anal and thinking, oh, if I, never, if I never doubt, that, if I doubt, that means I'm not right with God and I'm sinful. And man, it says Matthew chapter 28. They saw him, but some doubted. How much more us? that haven't sat down with Jesus. He's merciful and loving. See, Thomas was one of those who gave up everything to follow Jesus. Thomas was one of those who invested his life, invested his future to the very self of Jesus and now Jesus was dead. Crucified like an animal. Crucified like a criminal. And at that time, Again, historically, to be a disciple of a rabbi was not just to learn from them, but literally your future, your reputation, your social standing rose or fell according to your rabbi. And so as Jesus talked about his destiny that awaited him in Jerusalem, Thomas understood that 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 would be their destiny as well. Look here in John chapter 11. In verse, chapter 11, verse 11, it says, After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he falls asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant resting sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Thomas, at one time wholly committed and willing to give up everything, including his life. It must have been tough. When he perceived that everything he believed in perished at the cross. You ask ourselves, are we any different? We are engaged in events where our willingness to believe, trust, put faith in are challenged. Loss of loved ones, broken relationships, abuse, unanswered prayers, etc., etc., Etc. You know, I ask myself, why did John note Thomas was not with the other disciples when they first saw Jesus? In John chapter twenty, says he wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the disciples, and then John, then Thomas showed up. (laughs) Can you imagine? I think it's harder to believe and have faith when you're not with other disciples. Can you imagine Thomas among the group of fired up, excited disciples and desperately wanting to believe, but just can't believe and get the doubts out of his mind? Seeing all this enthusiasm, seeing everybody high five, seeing everybody rejoicing, and you're just sitting there in your doubts. I remember when I became a disciple, I was a disciple for a number of months, and I had this job, and I worked at a summer camp, and I left, and I was gone for the whole summer. And I remember come, you know, coming back to school, the chiropractor school, and, and I didn't go to church, and I remember a couple of the disciples would come visit me and, you know, like these two guys and they would come in their white shirts after, after church and their ties and I would be sitting there. There comes the missionary Mormons coming to talk to me. And then another time, one of the sisters would come over and, you know what, she was prettier than the two guys, so, you know, I would talk to her a little bit longer. But I wouldn't go to church. And it wasn't until probably maybe a couple months into the fall I went to a midweek and I remember driving down 290 and getting off on Harlem Boulevard and it was dark at Chicago and it was dreary and I remember coming up and going to midweek and I sat way in the back just like you guys are way back there (laughs) and I remember sitting there and Marty Fuquay was doing announcements and he goes, our brother Todd Assad is back. And I remember just sitting there feeling weird, (laughs) awkward, not wanting to be there, doubting, questioning. You know, maybe you feel like that a little today as you sit in the crowd of so many excited disciples and you feel like you'd like to be like them but you have some serious doubts can i change is this the truth will i be disappointed etc 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 see i think our challenge for faces like that is that you got to learn how to take god at his word jesus said he would suffer be rejected and die but he also said he'd be raised at the on, at, he'd be raised again from the dead thomas just focused on the first part as peter and jesus plainly told them that persecutions and hardships and troubles will come but that he will help us overcome. We must take Jesus at his word. John chapter 21. After this, okay, I added a scripture, didn't catch that one. Let me read this to you. John chapter 21, verse 1. Just, we'll just, just, they'll listen to it. It's okay. After this, this is how the Bible was done. I mean, for like, what, how many years? 100? 200? So just listen and enjoy. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon said to Peter, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in. Because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he had stripped it for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, about a hundred yards off. Then they got out of the land, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And along there were so many, the net was not torn. And although there were so many, the nets were not torn. Jesus said to him, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. Now, this was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The last face is the person who gets a second chance. You know, I love that video that we showed earlier. I love second chances. Christianity, discipleship, is the religion of second chances. You know, we find out in Mark chapter 14 that Peter was emphatic that he would not deny Jesus. He had perfect intentions, but he wasn't perfect. And you see this now. You see this struggle. Peter has denied his Lord. He denied his master. And now Jesus is starting to show up. But things aren't right yet. Peter still in what I call the zone of intense emotions. Aimless, he's going back fishing. Careless, he's out fishing, somewhat nude, and when Jesus appears, he puts his clothes back on and then jumps in the water. Mindless. By himself, he gets back up on the boat and hauls the nets ashore. And see, I think sometimes when we struggle, we're aimless, careless, and mindless. Because we're grieving. We've blown it. We've fallen short. And we know it. Just keep on reading John chapter 21, verse 15. When I had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to show by what kind of death that he would glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter loved believed in, called higher. Follow me. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. There is work for you. I know you blew it. I knew you fell short. I know what's in your heart. Follow me. Second chances. You imagine if this story would have stopped at the end of the cross. Jesus dead. Peter, Jesus' closest relationship left with knowing he betrayed his master. Guilt. Separated. Hopeless. Aimless. Mindless. Careless. Fortunately for Peter... And for us, the story does not end there. How many second chances have you received? Follow Jesus. How many times have you realized, I blew it again. Follow Jesus. How many times is your sin put in front of you? Follow Jesus. Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. There is work for you to do. I hope and I pray that as we celebrate the resurrection and we understand the different people that were in the crowd, the different emotions, the different hearts, that like the women... We'll see how Jesus looks at us. Like Thomas, we'll fight through those moments of doubt. And like Peter, we'll take advantage of those second chances. Let's go to God in prayer.